We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal. This week, I am continuing my conversation with Diane Grupp, my teacher, and Michael Fenton of Desmos.com, and we're going to talk about assessments and bundles and one-off activities in Desmos and how teachers can get started right now. He's got some really great advice there at the end. So thank you so much for listening and please uh, share it with any other uh, math inclined people or principals who want to improve math instruction at their school. Diane had another question yesterday about seeing the tops of kids' heads. And do you want to talk a little bit about that, Diane? Sure. I mean, I'm used to looking at their eyes, seeing, you know, and reading their body language and their eyes. And I love Desmos activities, but I see I'm looking at the top of their heads. And, and yes, I read what they're, they're putting on their screens. And yes, I can see it real time. But it feels, at least now, because it's a work in progress for me also, it feels a little sterile. It's like I'm not I'm not connecting with them like I'm used to. And yeah, I think those are great points, and that's something that I felt in my own classroom, and something I felt in in workshops where I ask teachers to put their student hat on, and then they work through an activity, and I feel. And again, it doesn't really matter how I feel in that moment, but I feel a little lonely at the front. It's like, all right, well, they're going to do their thing, and I'm going to sit here. What should I do? And so we do feel like the dashboard. You mentioned answers are streaming in real time there. We feel like that's great and that's helpful. But what we are pushing toward and building, so we've released several tools recently, and we're we're building another set of tools kind of for round two of the classroom conversation. We're trying to build 
a, a set of tools around the activities where that isn't the default and that's not the experience uh, for the teachers and the students where it's, you know, students are eyes glued to the screen, mouths closed, mm-hmm. teachers just watching, you know, the backs of their heads or the tops of their heads and maybe peering over their shoulder to, to gain some additional insight. We want to make it where the classroom is still a, a somewhat noisy and definitely vibrant place. Uh, and I've, I've mentioned that we're a work in progress uh, in terms of the tools we offer. And in terms of the tools we've recently released, I'd say I'm personally a work in progress there. And I guess that some folks are getting close to being pros at it, but that a lot of folks, as they use Anonymize, as they use this pause feature, as they use what we released last Friday, which is teacher pacing, where you can actually say, all right, we are all going to look at screen three and, and now screen four. And okay, now back to your own pacing. That as we've released those tools, it kind of, it raises the bar on what it means to be sort of a, a Desmos pro or, or growing in, in teachers' use of Desmos in their own classrooms. And my guess is that over the coming months, I'll get better at using the existing tools in facilitating those whole group, small group, you know, pairwise conversations. And that each time we release a tool, there's more opportunity. And then I sort of have to grow into that opportunity. So I wouldn't say that it's, you know, Desmos has arrived and it's as good as it's going to get. I feel like we're kind of just in our infancy for a lot of these tools. And I'm excited to see what the the future holds for us and for teachers. And one of the things that that we've loved is hearing comments from uh, teachers like the one you shared that, you know, when I do this activity, it has this feel and I don't like that. And then we, we sit down at the table as a team, and how can, we, how can we address that? How can we make the experience for everybody involved uh, even better, even more, not just engaging, but more effective for everybody? So do you see it, I mean, Desmos becoming a replacement curriculum, an enhancement? And if you say enhancement, talk about time. I have 45 minutes, five days a week. <laughs> yeah. When you say replacement, can you tell me what replacing what? The base curriculum. Okay. Yeah, that's an open question for us. And let me first tell you what we we won't ever replace. That I it feels like some resources are trying to position themselves to replace, and that's the teacher. Hopefully, it's pretty clear through through some of my rambling on the podcast that like we look at teachers as an invaluable, irreplaceable part of the the experience in the classroom, and we also feel like um, the classroom experience is um, not only more enjoyable but also more effective than than the online only experience. And I think there's a lot of research to to support our our hunches there. In terms of so so just bottom line, like we we have no desire to replace the teacher, and I feel like that's where a lot of ed tech is. They want to go there so that they can scale up to a hundred students, you know, per one classroom with one teacher and hire a couple of teacher's aides. We, we look at that as a dark version of, of the future, and we want to build something else, uh, help teachers build something else. In terms of a replacement for the curriculum, um, currently uh, Desmos offers, I would say, two, about three things. So there's the tool, there's the calculator, and I use that nearly every day in my classroom and just had a blast using it, and my students took to it fairly quickly, and they, they started using it even when unprompted uh, all the time, and that was just that was fun to see. So that's that's the first thing, and we'll continue offering that uh, for as long as we're able to. And the second part is 
individual activities. And that's what we've been offering for most of the last couple of years is one-off activities. Several months ago, we released our first bundles, which is our first step toward a little more coherence um, and a little more of like a complete idea unfolding over the course of some activities. So what a bundle is, is we pick a topic like uh, systems of, of linear equations. And we say, what would, what would a good first experience be there? And what would a, a good follow-up experience be? And where would we sort of develop more deeply after we've introduced some of these ideas? How could we do that best? Um, where would some practice uh, come in? Where would some application unfold? Uh, and we've put together bundles of five, six, seven activities that address several different topics. We have a whopping six bundles right now, which is not a whole lot. And, and depending on what course you teach, we might have like no bundles or one bundle for you. So we plan on building more bundles. That's, that's for sure. We've, we've got several bundles, additional bundles in progress already. And I would guess that that'll continue to grow. Um, so the number of bundles and hopefully the quality of the bundles where it's activities with some framework around it, including commentary about how the activities function together, um, how you move from one to the next. Uh, we view bundles as, as sort of a precursor to units, where units would have all the stuff. Bundles don't have all the stuff. Like you, you do need practice. You do need to have opportunities to move toward proficiency as a student. And bundles don't, don't have that. Yet, And so we do envision a future where Desmos has maybe a unit. Um, and then an open question for us is, would the progression beyond units be like a curriculum? Would we have an Algebra 1 book? Would we have a geometry book? Would we have a calculus book? And I'm, I'm putting air quotes around book each time. So I don't want to speculate, but I'll speculate anyway. So my, my guess Yay. is that we'd at least... <laughs> yeah, this isn't being recorded, right? <laughs> There's no, this won't be on the record. My guess is that we'll at least take a shot at that level of coherence because I, I feel like a lot of teachers want and desire that, but we don't have a clear sense of, of what that would be. You mentioned 45 minutes, five days a week. So like, right. is Desmos every day? I don't know. Um, is it some days of every week? I definitely feel confident that if I was in the classroom, I would want to use Desmos every week in every class. But I don't know that I would want to use it every minute of every waking hour. And so I think those are open questions for us that we'll try to come up with potential solutions and wrestle both internally and externally as we talk with teachers and, and hear their feedback. Because uh, there is a sense in which providing an individual activity, as great an experience as that might be, that's really not a, a major solution to some of what ails education. Exactly. And we feel like bundles are a nice step. And, and I'm just curious to see what else uh, we develop in trying to meet teachers and students' needs where a one-off activity might have been a lot of fun, but it's not developing ideas in a um, coherent fashion that, that I think we all want to see. Well, I appreciate a little peek behind the curtain. I think that that's pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah. What about assessment, especially summative assessment? Because you're obviously doing a ton of formative assessment in right. Desmos. So what about summative and actually knowing, being able to say for sure the kids know this? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the Desmos story on that front currently is more figuring out how we can support students in existing assessment scenarios. Uh, for example, there's a district in Texas, Eanes, uh, it's E-A-N-E-S, if anybody wants to Google it. Uh, my guess is if you Google Eanes Desmos, you'll end up on uh, a couple interesting posts. 
But that's a district that piloted, I believe, last year using Desmos on their end-of-course assessments. And they partnered with us because uh, there were some requirements before their district would allow them to do that. And I, if I understand correctly, there were also some state-level requirements to make sure everything was all, all squared away. So we actually built what's called the Desmos Test App, which is very, very similar to what you find at desmos.com. Uh, but there's some some tweaks to the functionality. Uh, we took out you know, the ability to solve certain kinds of equations on the fly. Um, but in terms of all the graphing functionality and lots of the other functionality, it's all still there. And the goal there was to also give them an opportunity where, depending on the, the hardware and software they were using, I believe they were using iPads. Another district with a similar story was using Chromebooks. Uh, we wanted to give them the ability to to control that testing environment, whether it's locking down the apps on an iPad or, or using kiosk mode on a Chromebook, to where students could use Desmos on existing assessments. So we, we feel like that's supporting what already exists as opposed to inventing our own solution on the assessment front. And the reports back from uh, that district in Texas were, you know, thumbs up and a lot of excitement, and I believe they're continuing to, to push forward with that this year. Desmos team looks forward to supporting their work. Um, on the Chromebook front, I don't have all the details here, so maybe this is something I'll, I'll follow up, get some more details by email, and you could drop in the show notes at some point. But there's a district somewhere, I don't remember where it was, but they got permission to use Desmos in a sort of secure fashion on their mid-level summative assessment. So not the end of course, not the end of semester, but the maybe end of the first quarter assessment. And the results were so outstanding that there were accusations of cheating <laughs> that were leveled against the the teachers who were who were using this. And they you know investigated further, and turns out it's there there was no cheating. This was. These were the results when students had access to powerful tools that they had been using in their learning experience, when they had access to those same tools in their assessment experience, they were able to demonstrate their knowledge in, in like a surprising way, uh, hence the, the accusations. Um, so I, I'm excited to see more districts explore that. I think Desmos can support individual districts, but how many districts are in the, the U.S.? There's a, a massive number there. So that's another place where something already exists, Desmos is going to come along and say, how can we help, as opposed to trying to reinvent or invent the summative assessment solution. And, and my hope is that those stories would continue to grow so that on standardized tests, you know, whatever they might be, that students have access to Desmos. Because to be honest, uh, that's one of the main things we've heard teachers are holding back on. They're like, well, I, I don't really want to use Desmos uh, as much as I would like to because I also need to train my students to use the tools that they're going to have access to on the assessments. So they tell us, I'm willing to use a lower quality, less powerful and interesting tool, namely not Desmos, because that's what they're going to have access to on the test, and I have to keep that in mind. And so we, we lament that a little bit, that that's driving teachers' decisions, but Me too. we totally understand it, and we feel like our the way we can help there is be available on the thing that they need their students to, to do well on, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. And the school, Ains ISD in uh, Texas that you talked about, I actually interviewed Carl Hooker, which is who oh, I assume great. you 
worked with to make that happen yeah. because he's all about breaking those molds. And uh, and so if you want to listen to that interview on transformativeprinciple.org. Yeah, that sounds great. Just search for Carl Hooker and you can, you can hear my interview with him. You know, one of the things that I think is fascinating about what we were just talking about with the summative assessment is that the reality is, is yes, we are willing to use a less effective tool because that's what we are being measured by. And personally, I think that's one of the real tragedies of education right now is that we have people building those systems that really just take, they make the devices that we're using to take those assessments the most complicated, dumb tools that they possibly (laughs) can. And it's horribly frustrating. So, you know, that the fact that you're working with people to make help them use Desmos is awesome. And afterwards, we need to make sure we talk a little bit more about that. So don't let me forget. And I just say one one word about you said that you know as folks design these things, and whether it's the tools or the assessments themselves, I want to tie two ideas together. What we ask students on assessments, like the nature of the questions, and this sort of comes back to the the verbs and the nouns, what we're asking students to do. And so I want to tie what we ask on assessments to what we ask on these dime a dozen online practice sites. Uh, and, and really, I'm, I'm just stealing thoughts from, from Dan Meyer and things he's written up on his blog so folks can, can find more there. But the nature of the question really says a lot about what we think about mathematics and what we think about a rich understanding of a particular mathematical idea. And if we have to boil everything down to machine gradable, uh, I, I feel like we we strip a lot of the, the richness out of the equation. And so one of the things that I'm excited about as as it relates to activities, that I think it's it's not unreasonable to at least get a little bit excited about for the possible future of assessment, is that the tools that we're building and that some folks online are building invite more types of student input. For example, we have we have a handful of student inputs. So one of them is is the graphing calculator, which is pretty expansive, but we just sort of consider that one. That graph is a, a certain type of input. And we have text input, because a lot of folks have text input. It's not that complicated to do that. And we have math input, where we can interpret what you've written there in some interesting ways behind the scenes. Uh, but a lot of folks have that as well. But on the informal front, we also have sketch as an input type. So you can ask students, what do you think the relationship is between X and Y? Can you sketch that for me? And it strips away a lot of the formality and it gets at student understanding of the relationship in question without them worrying about formal representations of functions, domain, range, which which function family are we talking about here? Instead, they can sketch out what they think the behavior is. And then in our activities, we launch from that input into discussions and ultimately push toward more formal understanding. But if you think about assessment, if you were to ask on an assessment a question like that, I think you would get a lot more insight into student thinking than you would on a sort of traditional modern day assessment question, whether it's written response or graphical response or or some algebraic response. So I feel like even though it currently informs our activities, I, I wonder if some of the tools that we're building and we have built might also inform the future of assessment, at least as as Desmos is involved. And for me that's that's a, a promising and exciting prospect because there's so much going on in the minds of students. 
And the level of insight we get into their thinking, which can inform, you know, in terms of formative assessment, can inform our next steps or summative assessment can inform kind of our sense of how strong our entire program is. The insight we gain, I think, grows and grows and grows as we vary the types of things we ask them to do and the the types of input that we gather from them. Hmm. So that sounds pretty exciting to me, just to to think about the different ways that we could get information from students, both in a in a summative way and just in a daily classroom way. The, just the idea of sketching, I my mind just kind of went down a little rabbit hole there about how <laughs> how powerful that could be. To I mean, one of my challenges, not being a math teacher and not remembering my high school and college math as well as I might is just seeing all the things that are available. I wouldn't even know where to get started, but there are mathematical concepts that I understand that I can use that if given the opportunity to sketch, I'd feel a lot more comfortable than, you know, busting out the graphing calculator and trying to figure something out. So I love that, that approach. And really we, for me at least, I want my kids to be able to know when to use what and how to use it when it's time for them to actually use it. And that's, that's much more important to me than, than them doing something that they will only use in that, in that one class. So I, I like that idea and I think that allows for more real life usage of the, the math concepts. So I know we're getting close to the end of our time here and I want to ask just the final question, what is it that principals could do this week to encourage teachers to do more effective activities like what you guys propose or to get started in Desmos if they're not using it already? Hmm. That's a great question. Let me speak to teachers and then principals can figure out how they fit into that equation. Perfect. They can relay the message because I I know a lot more about uh, the life of a teacher than I do the life of a principal. So if I'm talking to a teacher who has never heard of or, or maybe has heard a little bit about Desmos, I would take them to the activities. I would go to, and you can get there from, you can get to anywhere from desmos.com. So if, if everybody remembers one site, desmos.com is good enough. But if you want to go direct to the activities, uh, as a teacher, you'd go to teacher.desmos.com. And what you'll find there is a handful of, you know, we've got at the top activity of the week and, and below we've got featured activities. And so in the, the margin on the side, we've got most recent and most popular. And there's a search bar at the top where if you're, if you're going to teach next Tuesday about rational functions, you can search rational functions. Or if you've heard that marble slides is a fantastic activity, you can search for marble slides. So we make some suggestions, but also offer search tools. And here's the invitation I would extend to teachers. Go to the site, find one, two, maybe three activities that you think look interesting. I would advise against finding 50 activities because I feel like then you're going to be paralyzed. Like, well, which one should I do first? Just find one, two, or three activities that you think look interesting that you might want to use either this week or next week. Bookmark those and then commit to teaching one of those, you know, by, by the end of the following week. And 
And I would say if you, if you really want to make sure not only this happens, but the, the growth that follows that is more likely to happen, find a buddy on campus who's going to do the same thing. doesn't even have to be the same lesson. You might teach calc and they might teach algebra one, but find a buddy who says, I'm also going to go find a lesson and then debrief afterwards. Uh, make sure that you know, your, your buddy knows what your activity was about and then talk about what worked, what didn't work, what you plan to do differently next time. And I feel like if you do that, we're pretty confident you'll have a, a good experience. Your, your students will have a good experience and we think you'll, you'll want, want more. And uh, for me, in my own growth, it's baby steps. It's not the massive plans you know, executed by the end of the month. It's just one little step at a time. So go to the site, find an activity, uh, use it, and debrief. I feel like that's a pretty good cycle to, to work through again and again. Yeah, I think that that's great advice. So, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us this morning. And can you give how people can reach out to you, uh, maybe your Twitter handle? Thanks so much for, for having me. This was loads of fun for me and uh, great questions. People can reach uh, me. I'm at MJ Fenton on Twitter. Uh, and you can reach me by email, michael at desmos.com. And you can get to, to most of the things related to Desmos if you just go to desmos.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the Transformative Principle. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Michael. All right. Thank you so much. That was a great interview, wasn't it? And I really enjoyed uh, having a teacher in there with me to help ask some of those good questions. You know, that idea of just getting started with one other teacher buddy is such a great way to do things. It gives you some accountability, some support, and just makes it really possible for you to do some cool things. Another place you can go to is learn.desmos.com, which will help you get started on on using Desmos. So it sounds like a really great uh, app. I know my teacher enjoys it and I'm sure yours will as well. So thanks so much for listening to the transformative principle and please feel free to leave a review and a rating in iTunes or in the Google play music store uh, so that we can help more people learn from the amazing principles that you're learning from. Thanks so much for listening. Transformative Principles is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.